Hello and welcome to the Swine Disease Reporting System. This is the report number 71, where we're going to cover the findings from the previous uh, month, month of December of 2023. My name is Edison Magalhães, here at the SDRS podcast. Hello, my name is Juvan Trevisan at the Swine Disease Reporting System. And today we're going to cover the findings, that, like I mentioned, from the previous month, the month of December 2023 for the SDRS. But as we are starting this new year, the year 2024, we're going to cover, uh, do a recap of what happened during the year of 2023 uh, in terms of the findings for, for the SDIS project based on for each pathogen. So that's what this, uh, Giovanni and I, we're going to do today in this discussion and bring this, this recap from what happened last year for you guys. So let's get started. Giovanni, uh, let's start with PERS. Uh, what were the main highlights for PERS during the year of 2023? Well, PERS is the hot topic of the swine industry in the US. So PERS virus detection continues to fall in trends as high detection in the winter market age category across the year. And in the second half of the year, that is this preceding increase of detections that you could in the winter market age categories that precedes the adult self-harm. That did also occur in 2023. Interesting enough, the detection of PERS virus during summer months was the lower that we have observed for a long time. So less activity there, but then at the end of the year, specifically in December here, there is this increase of activity going on, mainly driven by winter finishing farms. That's the highest since 2019. At the same time, for PERS-wise, we do monitor sequence. And in terms of PERS-wise activity in the detection in the field, the veterinarians say for us that the major strains that has been burned in the swine industry in December here, more specifically in Iowa, was this lineage 1C.5, that is the lineage 1C variant, and the lineage 1A RFLP174 that's causing issues in December. For PERS-wise, one of the things that we did in the SDRS during this year was there was a new PERS-wise type 2 classification approach that comes along, and we have updated that now new dashboards being released on our website that stakeholders can go and see the trends of detection of PERS-wise strains over time. Perfect. So re most recently, we are having the highest uh, detection for PERS since 2019. Yes, in the winter market age category. Even though that's the case, the increase in cell farms is a slow, slight increasing over the months since October, but it's not as high as the winter market age category. Oh, perfect. So can you give us this the same thing that you did here, this idea of how was the detection during the year of 2023 and most recently for December for enteric coronavirus? Of course, when I think about enteric coronavirus, we have three pathogens there. And starting with PED, the detection of PED during this year has fallen the expected trend of detection according to previous year. So we did not have any surprise there for PED. At the end of the year, we start to see this increase in detection that's going on, but that's according to the expected models there. Mm -hmm. The another pathogen that we have there is Delta coronavirus. And we started the year with the Delta coronavirus having the detection according to expected, but was around February that the detection was really above expected that, and that continues until April. Mm. At that time, the detection started to come back to the normal, and we end the year according to the expected for the detection coronavirus detection that is increased at the end of the year. 
One thing that we start to notice is that every two years or three years, there is this increase in detection of coronavirus that occur in the beginning of the year. So it seems like there is this biannual spike in detection for these pathogens that is occurring out there that we need to keep watching out for the next years. The last pathogens that we have for entire coronavirus that we do monitor is TGE. And that's a great news that we can celebrate at the end of the year by now. We do not have detection of TG in 2023. And this is also following a trend that it's for two years and nine months without a detection of these pathogens. And we did test for it. We test more than 112,000 cases for TG with no detection. So maybe we can start to think about celebrate that these pathogens may not be present anymore in the US swine population, or it's circulating at a very low prevalence out there that we are not detecting on this PCR detection uh, that we do here. All right, Giovanni, and what did the advisory group tell, uh, tell us about that? Well, when you think about the entire coronavirus advisory group has been mentioned for us that there is a large opportunity to start discuss process of uh, elimination of PD as one of the major pathogens of the swine industry. They have been saying for us that PD outbreaks has not been as many at the end of the year. There are some occurring, but not as many as expected. But at the same time, they raise the eyebrows for us and say, keep watching January because usually we see this PD activity going up at the mid end of January there. So it's a pattern that we need to keep looking for in the next upcoming months there, the PD. Perfect. What about influenza, Giovanni? How was influenza detection in 2023? So influenza detection has been following this pattern of this seasonal detection. That means during the months of fall and spring, the detection goes up. But one thing that was different in 2023 is that we did not see those spikes as we saw in the previous year. Mm -hmm. So uh, the bee seasonal component was there present, but not as much as in the previous year. At the end of the year, more specifically in December, we start to see that decrease in detection of influenza. And this is also happening in 2023. Uh, the same pattern was detected there. In terms of subtype detection by PCR, we had uh, the subtype most prevalent detected was the H3N2. That was a little bit different than the previous year that H1N1 was the one that was most frequent detected there. So influenza falling what was expected, not big surprise there for 2023 needed in December. All right. And what about mycoplasma? Mycoplasma is a very interesting pathogen that, that we have been monitoring. And in 2023, the number of submissions tested for mycoplasma really went up. You can see our charts there that we had more uh, testing there. But one of the major sample types that has been used for testing mycoplasma was deep tracheal swabs. Mm -hmm. And the advisory group highlights for us that uh, this testing in programs to control and eliminate this pathogen in the field is affecting this number of testing. So it's for a good reason that is not necessarily more disease activity going on, but need for testing these control and elimination programs that has been affecting the testing there. Mm -hmm. And when we are closing the year, the mycoplasma detection is going down as expected by our monitoring and forecast trends that we do have there for this specific pathogen. Mm -hmm. So 
that's why it's good, right, Giovanni, have to our advisory group here because we are seeing the patterns with, with, for example, with this pathogen that we are mentioning, and we have that information with the advisory, and we see that that's actually a response or or a consequence from more control and elimination in the farm, so people are testing more, right, for that. No doubt that the advisory group plays a major role for the SDRS because they provide this field perspective of what's going on in the data. We see something in the video data, but then the real value comes when we combine these trends of detections that we uh, monitor some change there, but then the advisory group can provide this perspective of what's going on by their being with the boots on the ground zone every day. So we are very thankful for all the input received from the advisory group to be able to keep this project going. Very good, Giovanni. And what about PCV circovirus in 2023? So porcine circovirus, it's a very interesting pathogen. When you look for porcine circovirus type 2, the detection by a PCR doesn't mean that you are having disease in the field. You need to have clinical signs, you need to have lesions, and you need to have detection there. So based on all of the feedback that we receive from the advisory group, Guilherme did a great job in terms of porcine circovirus in drill down this data. So detection, there is no seasonal components than the detection that you can see. But when Guilherme opened this information, considering CTU values there, he could provide us further information about these interpretative values for PCV2. Mm -hmm. In terms of, well, if you detect on a tissue case that you submit tissues for disease diagnosis there, and you have CT values, how can you interpret in terms of disease? So he found out that uh, using a CT of 22 or lower, you had an 8% accuracy that you would have a disease diagnosed in tissue case for PCV2. And he did went further and provide that information about how is the average trend for PCV2 CT values by sample type and by region. And that's able to identify if something is occurring in the field that deserves further investigation there. The other thing that happens for porcine sarcovirus is that Guilherme did add for us porcine sarcovirus type 3 data there. Mm -hmm. And porcine sarcovirus 3 was this new addition there. And what we found out is, well, basically about 60% or above of all the cases that are tested from uh, cell farms, they are positive for porcine sarcovirus type 3. And this is the only pathogen that we have in the SDRS day that we monitor that the detection in the growing finishing sites is lower than the adult cell farm. Mm -hmm. So that is this trend of the detection that, that is different than the other pathogens. And these are pathogens to keep monitoring there. There is a discussions that going on in the industry about uh, how we interpret how all this data and the, the clinical relevance of PCV3 disease that deserve close attention and monitoring the next years to see how this is going to behave. Interesting. So it yeah, well, was a new addition to the SDRS project this year. And like you mentioned, keep monitoring, understanding the, the trends here. Giovanni, you mentioned about disease diagnosis. Uh, what about the disease diagnosis information in 2023? So just a, 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 rem a quick reminder for our audience, disease diagnosis here is from cases submitted to, more specifically here, to the ISU VDL. So based on that information, the diagnosticians with using multiple information from tests and, and, and necropsy information, macroscopy lesion and microscopy lesion, they will assign a code for each case and what were the pathogens uh, diagnosed. 
So we are also monitoring that information here from the ISU VDL. So what can you say and tell us about this information, Giovanni, throughout 2023? So this is a very important uh, chunk of information that we have in the SDRS. And as you mentioned, it's ISU VDL data only. And we look forward to incorporate other VDLs in the future to provide this information there. But disease diagnosis has been keeping consistent across the year with what we have observed in the previous years. In terms that PERS, Streptococcus and influenza keep leading the number of diagnoses that, that we have towards the year. So basically respiratory pathogens has a high importance for the swine industry in the US. That's not a novel information. And when we monitor these uh, pathogen activities in a weekly basis, we didn't see spikes or uh, specific things that cause uh, big attention for us there, except that it was around October, we had this increase of uh, number of diagnoses for a couple of pathogens like GPS, Pasteurella, Lotavirus, and PERS that it's expected for that time of the year. So on the disease diagnosis, we do not restrict for PCR detection, but we have more pathogens to monitor mm -hmm. and I've been able to provide that information about what's being seen in the video on tissue cases. Perfect. And Giovanni, we also had in 2023 an addition of one laboratory to the project. Can you explain to our audience how, how that was? Right, that's true. So in 2023, we have the Purdue Animal Disease Diagnostic Laboratory that joined the project along with Ohio State University, University of Minnesota, South Dakota, Kansas, and the Ohio VDLs. So now this project has expanded in terms of number of labs. And not only labs, but we did expand for another pathogen that was porcine sarcovirus type 3. And we continue to provide this information in terms of uh, pathogen detection in the swine industry. So the incorporation of new labs is a key component for expanding the capability of connecting VDL data to the project. Remind that all the data that comes for the project is produced in veterinary anonymized. But this data is being used to review these trends of pathogen detections there and increase the representativeness of some regions that in, was not uh, well represented in the project now. So as an example for Purdue, we expected that now we have basically covered about almost 100% of diagnosis that comes from the NUMS network are now included in the project. If we're still missing, it's not a great chunk of information there. So additionally to the Purdue, we also have other developments in the project. As an example, one side to only one of that is we did produce some, a series of videos that is the education material that can be accessed by our stakeholders that's available in the YouTube about how to read and interpret the charts on the SDRS. So there is a lot of work that goes in background here for the SDRS. We have a team of people that work. We have uh, great graduate students like Guilherme, Edson, Sirijit, Alan, Jay working on the project today that is being able to provide this information there. Very good, Giovanni. Very exciting things. And what can we expect for 2024? So 2024, we, we keep working here. We are very thankful for the Swine Health Information Center for providing support to keep maintaining the project during the next year. And we are doing a, a couple of developments there in terms of 
project maintenance, but also we have some additional funds that come from USDA to do um, more analytical capabilities in the project. So there is a couple of things that are cooking there in the background and keep tuned that uh, they are going to come along the year and being provided to our stakeholders as additional information coming through the SDRS report. So that's uh, what we have for next year. For next year, no, for this year, we already changed the, the year here in 2024. So keep looking for that. Keep tuned. New information come through, new uh, developments occurring in the SDRS. Very good. Thank you a lot, Giovanni. Very good information. Uh, it was a really good recap of what happened in 23. So uh, a very good summary in a very short time. So it's a very, a very rich information for you guys. And we, we're going to see you guys in the next edition, like Giovanni mentioned, bringing information from what's going to happen in the beginning of the year in January 2024. So I'll see you guys in the next month. Thank you. Thank you.